Hello and welcome to No Rest for the Weekend, where we go behind the scenes and talk to the creators of independent entertainment. I'm Jason Godby, here with No Rest for the Weekend, Quarantine Edition, sponsored by Soap. Reminding you to wash your hands for 20 seconds after doing just about anything. Soap, it gets you clean. All right, so today on the program, well, I'm going to tell you about some free online resources that you can use to uh, while you're isolating yourselves. And later, we're going to have uh, No Rest of the Weekend's own Adonis Cillin Paris on the phone all the way from L.A. And uh, we're going to talk about how people in production are sort of coping with the COVID-19 crisis out there. That's later on the show. First, we got some indie film news for you. Recently, you know, because of the crisis, a lot of film festivals and events have been canceled or closing or postponed. So I've been trying to reach out to people and see kind of where they're at. And as of this taping uh, in April of 2020, I talked to Sybil Santiago uh, from uh, from so I reached out to her on social media. I reached out to Lauren Atkins of NYC Webfest. Uh, Sybil is from Soho International Film Festival. Both of whom have been on the show. You can check out their episodes. They're wonderful people and great festivals. But as of now, considering how things are, they're all sort of on this wait and see type of thing in terms of are they going to move the festival back are they going to reschedule it etc cetera, etc cetera. and you know soho is going into its 11th year i believe nyc webfest is going to maybe uh its ninth or tenth year so these are you know these are established festivals and uh we hope to hear more and bring you updates as we do more uh, news segments. But uh, for right now, if you want to follow them, you can check out their website, SohoFilmFest.com and NYCWebFest.com. Also, you can follow them on Twitter at SohoFilmFest and at NYCWebFest. In other news, Seed and Spark, uh, online platform and crowdfunding platform, they are uh, reaching out to communities and organizations. Recently, the head of education, Christina Rea, posted, if you're a part of an organization, school, or collective for filmmakers and or other artists working in storytelling mediums, please get in touch. If you're interested in offering a free crowdfunding or distribution workshop to your members and students. With festivals and summits getting canceled and postponed, we're trying to fill the Seed and Spark education calendar with webinars so that we can continue supporting creators as much as possible in this difficult time. We can schedule a private workshop for your class slash members, or uh, we can let you know when we do a big virtual one so that you can tune in. For those of you unfamiliar with Seed and Spark, Here's Christina Rea when she was on the show just last year. Seed Spark is a funding and streaming platform for film. We definitely accept campaigns that are kind of film adjacent, so anything to do with kind of storytelling, visual storytelling, uh, whether it's like film festivals or, I guess, websites or anything that is related to film. But basically, we're trying to kind of create true independence and sustainability for independent artists that are working in the film medium. And so while we are mainly, or at least started as a crowdfunding platform, and that is what most of our user base is, we're also a streaming platform because we want filmmakers to have a direct connection to their audience so that they could theoretically crowdfund through them and then distribute directly to them and kind of have the this one-stop hub on our platform where you don't need to, you know, give up your IP and sort of 
deal with usually these like middle men of, of filmmaking and especially distribution. As a platform, do you wind up putting a lot of people on the platform that have crowdfunded through you previously? Is it kind of like a, an all-in-one ecosystem type thing? It is for, I would say for features. Shorts, not so okay. much because shorts tend to just release on, you know, Vimeo and YouTube and not really behind a paywall of any kind. But we definitely have a lot of features that come full circle. And we also acquire content. And so you can submit on our site for free if you want to be considered for the streaming platform. For more information on Seed and Spark, visit their website, seedandspark.com. If you want to reach out to them, their email is crowdfunding at seedandspark.com. For many of us, the only work that we can do now is post-production work. So we're editing, we're doing sound, we're doing music, we're coloring. Uh, and so I wanted to let you guys know about some free online resources that you can download and programs that you can learn to possibly, you know, maybe open some doors for you in the future of your career when hopefully things get back to something close to normal. But before we begin, before we show these, I just want to let you know that these are not sponsored segments. We're not affiliated or sponsored or being paid by any of the following companies. But check this out. So Avid, Avid, you know Avid, they're a household name in post-production. They've been around for a long time. Last year at the NAB show, I spoke to Ray Thompson from Avid to talk about some of their free online offerings. I'm here with Ray Thompson from Avid. Ray, uh, people know of Avid's name. You guys have been around for a long time in yep. terms of electronic. You guys are pioneers in electronic Avid. So, but for, for those people who don't know, give us a little background on Avid. What kind of typical uh, shows, films that you guys have worked on? Sure. Avid's been around for about 30 years now. In fact, this is our 30-year anniversary. Uh, Avid was the first company to bring a nonlinear editor to market. So uh, we really took uh, the, the world from analog to digital, right? And, and Avid was certainly one of the key you know, creators of all of that uh, technology. So the media composer is you know, sort of the stalwart for Hollywood, right? So the first people to really adopt and use Avid because of the many benefits it brought was Hollywood. And so films today even that get edited on Avid would include everything from Game of Thrones to Avengers Endgame everything in between. We also have a lot of customers in broadcast, a lot of customers in news, sports, who also use Avid Media Composer for editing, for quick turnaround of content, for distribution to social media, you know, OTT. So uh, not only are we heavy in post, right, but we're also really heavy in news and sports. Along the lines, Avid has also purchased Pro Tools and Digit Design. So uh, years ago, Avid bought Digit Design, which makes Pro Tools, which is the de facto standard when it comes to audio production. So think of audio editing as the same thing as you know video editing in the sense that both of these applications are really stalwarts in the industry. Both have been around for a long time. And then more recently, Avid has Sibelius, which is a way to automate notation for music. And so those are really sort of the three main sort of front window type products that Avid has and have had out there for a long time. So now you guys, every I, one of the reasons I want to talk about this is because I think most people think of you guys as being the in-house post for big productions, you know, for the Avengers or something like that. But now you guys have this thing called Avid First, yes, which is more Avid the home game yeah. for more of like an indie consumer. So talk exactly. about that and, and like for, for the indie filmmaker, how can they use this stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So Avid introduced the Avid First program uh, probably a little over a year and change ago, I'd say. And the whole idea around the first program was to do just that, was to give people who are independent uh, filmmakers, even students, 
the opportunity to download the tool sets that the pros use to be able to come proficient on those tool sets so then they can better position themselves to hopefully coming out of school, you know, get a job with some of these big companies, Netflix, you know, Amazon, people like that, uh, all the Hollywood studios, you name it, and get their hands dirty, if you will, with a very powerful, robust version of the application. So for example, there's Avid First, which is the basically a free download of, of Media Composer. Media Composer First gives you pretty pretty full feature set. I mean, it's uh, almost the whole kit and caboodle, really, for free. It gives you uh, a nice uh, set of video and audio tracks and all the features and functionality. I mean, so it's definitely a great way for someone who is not familiar with Avid to get familiar with the, with the product. Avid, of course, is, uh, like I said, the standard at the high end, but we're really trying to push further down market, and one of the keys to that, we think, is being able to give uh, independents, as well as students, the opportunity to work with it for free. Then we rolled out Pro Tools uh, first, as well. So there's a free version of Pro Tools, so you can do audio editing as well. And of course, those two play very nicely together, Media Composer and Pro Tools. And again, the idea was give students and independents uh, the opportunity to have the same tool sets that the pros use. If you listen to really anything on the radio, anything you're streaming, it's all being made on Pro Tools. And so again, de facto standard in the industry, it's a good one to learn. And then Sibelius is the last one that we offered for free as a download, which is a way to sort of automate notation. So for musicians who don't know how to necessarily read or write music, Sibelius allows you to basically do it automatically. It does it as you play the music. And so it's a really intuitive, amazing tool that again gets used by some of the biggest composers in the world, but at the same time, now anybody has access to those tool sets. So yeah, and we have well over a million people who have downloaded uh, our software tool sets now. What's the difference between, say, the first version and the, like, what What's what are you guys keeping for the for the paid version? In other words, like what are the upgrade features? Yeah, so some of the upgrade features for Media Composer, for example, would include support for like UHD. It would include uh, more effects, uh, more tracks, things like that. And then you get to the real high end version. It's networking and being able to network across multiple different systems. So what's cool about that is as your needs grow, you start out as an independent, for example, editor, and then your shop begins to grow and you start adding more stations. Now you can actually start, you know. Uh, adding more features and functionality at a pretty low cost, right? And there's different packages that uh, people can buy, right? On a monthly basis or an annual basis from a subscription pr perspective. Um, and that's really how it all works for both Media Composer Pro Tools and Sibelius. With the, the home version, like, what can you really edit with it? Like, can I do something, say, beyond a short film or beyond, like, a video? Can I do can I do a feature with it, would you recommend? Or? I mean, it all depends on the feature you're doing. I think if you're an independent, yeah, of course. You know, there's a lot. Like I said, it's a very full-featured version of Media Composer. Um, and I would say this about Media Composer. One of the things on the 30th anniversary we did was we redesigned the entire thing, man, including the user interface and a lot of work underneath the hood. We improved the engine itself, right? So what that did for users is it gives them A, a way to sort of customize the look and feel uh, by persona so that um, if you're just starting out and you're intimidating a little bit by looking at the interface, you can actually customize the interface so that you're only exposing the tool sets that you want to use at that time, right? So you could custom design that. And then there's a whole bunch of work that went on underneath the hood to make it more powerful, faster, more responsive. And then one of the other things that we're doing is we're constantly introducing um, adding more formats and making it easy to, to sort of work with really any format that's out there. For a long time, you know, the other knock on, on Media Composer was it was really hard to work with because you had to be in an Avid-friendly format. And while that isn't 100% gone away, we've definitely done a lot to add a lot more formats and make it easier to sort of link to whatever is living out there. So regardless of what content you have, it's easy to work with it now. It's getting easier all the time. So it's pretty exciting. And for this, is it compatible for both Mac and PC? Yeah, oh yeah, it runs on both Windows and, uh, and Mac. 
In fact, one of the announcements we actually just made was the fact that we can now edit ProRes RAW files on Media Composer on Windows, which is a big deal. And then Apple announced that you can actually edit DNX, which is an Avid uh, flavor, RAW, on, on all the Apple formats now. So that was actually something we just announced at IBC back in September. Fantastic. And for people who want to uh, find this and, and download it, where can they find it? You just go right to Avid.com and just go right to either the Media Composer page, Pro Tools page, or Sibelius page, and you'll see the first thing that pops up is uh, uh, download the first version for free. So uh, please do it. It's a, it's a great experience. Blackmagic Design now offers their software, DaVinci Resolve, for free online. In addition to being uh, probably the leading software in coloring for the industry, it's also quite a robust editing program. Uh, it's got a lot of different functions to it. Last year at NAB, I spoke to Jason Druss, and he'll tell you about uh, their software and also how they educate their customers. Anyone that knows us knows that every year uh, when a new version of Resolve comes out, it's packed with hundreds of new features. And this year we added a completely new page into DaVinci Resolve, the new Cut page, which is the fastest editing system ever made. We knew there was a whole culture of editors out there, short form editors, broadcast editors, news editors, and they've really never had an editing software package made for them. Everyone working in short form has just been working within long form tools. So we wanted to create an, a faster edit page, and we knew that we couldn't make our edit page faster without completely destroying the program. So we thought, since Resolve is already a system built on the same timeline being shown multiple ways, let's just build a new, different kind of editing page right next door to the uh, other one. So we call it the cut page, and it follows the law of manufacturing, which we have a lot of experience in. And the laws of manufacturing state that any movement that doesn't result in productive work is considered waste. So things like zooming in on the timeline, finding the right clip in the bin, finding the right specific trim tool and getting on the cut exactly to trim, all these different kinds of tasks have been eliminated because the user interface exists in a way that only productive work is allowed as a movement. So fast assembly type edits um, are really great for the cut page. And then when you want to go ahead and do more nuanced, long form editing and take advantage of Resolve's really advanced, you know, curve tools and really advanced custom transition tools, you can just hop over to the edit page, same exact timeline, just a different way to view the information. What kind of projects would I be cutting on the cut page as opposed to the edit page? Uh, well, at first I'd say if you're starting out, you know, when you're doing short form projects like commercials and things like that for commercial editors, but at the end of the day, after I've been using it for about six months, I don't think I'll ever start any kind of edit again on the edit page. I think I'm going to start everything on the cut page using the new editor keyboard, and then maybe eventually I'm going to find my way over to the edit page when I hit any kind of limit where, okay, I want all of my really detailed effects library tools and all that stuff. Then I'll go over to the edit page. But for me, I'm going to use the software left to right across each page. And I think most users, once they start using the cut page, especially with the new editor keyboard, are going to find a similar workflow. Now, I've been looking at, because I just downloaded DaVinci recently, I've been looking at like a sea of YouTube videos and things like that. Do you guys have any place where I can go to online and learn the software a little bit better? We have so much training. It's, it's crazy. So we're really, really proud of, proud of this, very happy about this, but we've got about 10 or 11 hours of long-form professional video training on the website, going across every discipline in Resolve from editing, color, Fusion VFX, Fairlight Audio. You can not only follow along with these professional trainers, you can actually download their source material and follow along with them as they're doing it. In addition to that, we have five complete textbooks, 
Now these are not cut and dry manuals. These are fun, interactive, puts you in the driver's seat. We're going to learn Resolve by doing an actual job, learn each part of each page. We have a 101 definitive guidebook that gets you across the whole software package at an intermediate level or beginner's level. And then we've got four advanced books, a book for advanced editing, one for color correction, one for Fusion VFX, and one just for Fairlight Audio. Not only can you download the PDFs of all five textbooks online for free, we actually offer you access to the official certification exams online for free. So if you're a student and you want to get Resolve certified for a college application or once you're out of college to get your entry-level job in post-production, you can do that. And if you're a large company and you're thinking about using Resolve, but how are we going to get 30 to 50 editors transferred over, you can know with confidence that everyone has baseline competencies on the software by using the training material that we provided and having your employees or coworkers use your use the certification exams. Fantastic. And where can people find all this greatness on the web? Blackmagicdesign.com. And then you can go to the DaVinci Resolve page and you can find the training page, the download pages on the support page. It's, it's all at blackmagicdesign.com. There are a lot of resources out there for creatives, and if you're uh, having some downtime right now, this could be a great resource for you. Check out these two programs. Uh, I will warn you, I did start reading the manual for uh, DaVinci Resolve, and it's nearly 3,000 pages long. So uh, if you don't want to read 3,000 pages, there, like uh, Jason mentioned in the video, there are a lot of uh, video resources, uh, so you can check those out. But now, uh, we're going to go to our man on the left coast, uh, our own Adonis Silimparis. Adonis, you're on the phone. Are you there, my friend? Yep, I'm here. Thank you, Jason. All right, buddy. So I just wanted to get a, uh, a West Coast opinion on what's going on nowadays. Talk to me about uh, sort of conditions pre-COVID crisis and, and now. Well, I mean, as you know, a month ago, everything was um, just uh, rolling along as normal. I mean, a lot of things were going on. Um, I had a lot of projects, and then everything came to a screeching halt. Um, I had a bunch of projects that I was actually working on with a few television shows, and one soap opera, I was doing something for General Hospital, which, yes, that soap opera is still around. Yeah, we were about to do some music for an upcoming episode, which they were about to film, and then the lockdown happened. So, yes, a lot of stuff has come to a screeching halt. Luckily, there's there was so much stuff in production before it happened, so there's a lot of stuff in post right now. So there's still some work for a while because all the um, you know film editors and all the filmmakers are at home, and they're just editing now. There's nothing going on in, well, there's some pre going on, but there's no shooting. So, yeah, so we're good for, I would say, at least a month or two, because I've spoken to a few uh, music supervisors out here and a few show runners. They said that, they're, that they have a bunch of things which will be coming out next month. But what happens after June? I don't know, man. Um, I'm hoping things, yeah, that's where it gets a little scary. It's very unpredictable. Like, I mean, right now we're in lockdown until May, basically. Uh, so, you know, what happens after that? And, you know, I keep seeing every once in a while, I'll see on my Instagram or something, I'll see like these pictures of empty New York streets. And I just go, man, if I could only get a crew together and start shooting, <laughs> like, when, when, when could you possibly get the streets this quiet, you know, to get, uh, to get stuff shot. But, I know. Um, it, it's, um, it's basically a, a filmmaker's dream. Yeah, It's of like course. a set, man. You of just course. walk around. Like, you could go to Times Square 
and shoot stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm sure the cops would, you know, wrestle you to the ground. But um, I and, and most of the people I know, like you said, we're working on post stuff. And that's why I wanted to mention DaVinci Resolve and, and the stuff from Avid, because I think they could be great resources for people. Just like speculating going forward, like, what do you think the new thing is going to be? Because like, after we after we're let out of our cages, right? Uh, we're not going to it's not like the disease is going to go away. It's not like we all walk out and then the virus goes, Oh, they're gone. They, they, you know, we, it doesn't move on. You know what I mean? Right. Not like like a prowler or something. Uh, so, you know, what do you think that, is there a a new normal that's going to happen? Well, I mean, just from the industry side in of itself, um, we've had a few meetings with some of the music supervisors, uh, about what will be happening when this is over. Um, a lot of the films which were supposed to be coming out in theaters are all are, will all be coming out now on Amazon, Hulu, and Netflix. And they're scheduling this for the next films like up until July. So there's been a lot of talk about, is this the end of movie theaters now? With music licensing, they are not even including theatrical rates in their licensing, you know, actual quotes now, because there won't be any more theatrical. Just for, for, to preface this, for, for those people who don't know, uh, we had Joel Feinberg here on the show who, for DeWolf Music, and you're doing mu- music supervision and you're working uh, with DeWolf on projects. So you're, you're working on these licensing deals directly with studios. Yes. I don't know how much of that you can actually talk about. No, I can't. I mean, I mean, basically, they call us and they say, we need music for this. And then we give them, you know, we, we just work on a deal. And we include, you know, streaming, you know, or either theatrical, and all that stuff. But now there's not going to be any theatrical in these rates. Yeah, I see a lot of a lot of people going strictly to digital release. Um, And, you know, I do, you know, it's funny, this might be an opportunity, though. I mean, it's good and bad in many ways. It's just kind of changed the whole playing field because even film festivals are canceled throughout, I think, the rest of the year. Yeah, some of them are. I mean, like, I've been in touch with some people that say it's basically touch and go at this point. Uh, so they're wondering kind of, you know, they're waiting to see what happens. Um, and I know some people want to go forward in the summer, but, you know, they're not sure if they should open submissions, if they should not. Uh, I think, though, this could be a tremendous opportunity for indie filmmakers because it levels the playing field. Absolutely. Um, You know, in terms of going straight to digital, because that's where a lot of indie projects are ending up. Now, uh, you know, is it going to saturate the digital market even more? That's kind of the question. But, you know, who's to say at this point? It probably will. But in terms of theaters, I think, I think, um, yeah, this might mark the end. I mean, it was already sort of happening, you know, like I remember um, when I lived in New York, when I was a kid, we had a movie theater every other block. Uh, now there's one every 30 blocks. I think after this, they're going to be gone. I don't know if theaters gonna, are going to go away and come back or if there's going to be a different type of theater. It might be a different type of theater, yeah. I mean, it makes me sad. I mean, I hope I'm wrong because I love theater. But Yeah, I mean, I still love going to the movies. It's just a matter, you know, for a while it was sort of pricing itself out of existence. But, I, you know, movies are, movie theaters, I think, are going to be more for uh, big events and big event type movies, but I don't think anybody's going to be rushing back into a theater anytime soon. Yeah, I think it'll be just for like screenings or special events and stuff like that. But uh, that era of going to the movie theater, you know, yeah, yeah, it's just 
even even before all this happened, I mean, I remember you know hearing about my cousin who's married with three kids would go um, into <laughs> to see like Spider Man. And it would cost over a hundred dollars, you know, with 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 the wife and the husband and the kids, and then they all buy, you know, soda and popcorn and everything, gasoline for the car, and then parking. It's like a hundred bucks. Yeah, it's a lot. It's definitely a lot. But anyway, man, uh, hang in there. We hope to come to you with more uh, of this stuff, and hopefully, you know, when you have news to report, uh, at some point, if you ever venture outside of your house. Uh, grab some footage for us so that we can show the audience kind of what LA uh, looks like a little bit uh, these days. But uh, uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll we'll come back to you real soon. Thanks, man. Thank you, Jason. I'll see you soon, buddy. And that's all we have time for today. As always, thank you so much for taking this trip down the rabbit hole. For more of our content, including our movie reviews, visit our website, noresttheweekendpodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. I'd like to thank Adonis Sill in Paris for joining us via phone. And for Behind the Rabbit Productions, I'm Jason Godby. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Yeah.